Blog Talk Radio. Sunday afternoon, Stein Guy along with the coach with the most coming at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to post because his favorite all-time cereal is made by post. Coach Mike Jones, real, real fast before we jump into things today, if you're looking for some pro wrestling today, you have Warrior Pro Wrestling just about to get underway in Danville, Indiana. Also, later today, Flop House in Indianapolis. But without further ado, we will continue Hall of Fame month with our Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member, someone that's not been on for a while, but we're very happy he's back today in a rare day off from DJing 
Troy Miller, the franchise. Welcome back to the show. Yo, what's up? Well, this is Hall of Fame month, and as I said, you are in our Hall of Fame. Can you tell us a little bit about what it means to you when you get into these Hall of Fames? I know you're a multiple Hall of Fame member, but when you get a call and someone wants to induct you into one, what's going through your head when that happens? Um, I believe every time you are inducted into a Hall of Fame, it is a special occasion. Um, I had an opportunity to get to do something that I absolutely loved um, something a lot of people only dream about doing, and to find success in something that you love doing is really, uh, that's not why you're in it, to be honest. Uh, you don't do it for money, you don't do it for fame, you don't do it for notoriety, you do it because you love it. And to be acknowledged for doing something that you just love to do, um, I think it's a very special honor, and each time it's special. Out for our own Hall of Fame here, we're pretty simple. The qualifications to be considered are you have to have been on the show at least once, which you've been on multiple times, and you had to have made positive contributions to the wrestling industry, which you have made countless. You're in a Hall of Fame with us that includes people such as Aaron Bolo, Demarcus James, the late uh, Jim Chadwick, Casey Carlisle, Cameron Starr, Brian Class, Kevin Sullivan, Princess Victoria, and Paul Freakshine. I believe I got them all in that. What's it be to be like in a Hall of Fame that inducts one person per year and you're kind of in a pretty tight-knit, exclusive club to be a Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member? Um, I mean, just like I was saying, it, to, to be honored for anything you just love doing, uh, it, it's a special place um, it, it, for people to recognize um, all your hard work and all your um, just basically you give your life to this and um, you don't ask anything in return. Uh, you just do it for the love of the game and just to, to be honored for, like I said, doing something that you love. It's it really, you know, it, it's a special place. A lot of people don't get to that. Like you said, it's very exclusive. Uh, one person gets in a year and to be chosen for this honor, uh, I guess it speaks volumes about, uh, the things I set out to do and the things that I accomplished. The wrestling industry today is much different than the one where you started. Uh, when you were breaking in, it was much harder to get into the wrestling business, and right. there was there was an independent scene, but it's not like today where there are. 30 or 40 shows within easy driving distance in Indiana. There is much less of a market for you to go and ply your trade. 
do you think looking back on things now you would have it easier to achieve the things you did in today's wrestling world or do you think you came along at the right time to make your mark I definitely came along at the right time um, for me um, today I do think it's easier to get into the business but you're not going to learn the things that I learned when I broke in um, you don't have people that spin around you don't have uh, a lot of the veterans that can, you know, mold a young wrestler and teach them the right way to do things. Um, today, it's almost comical when I watch uh, some of the local promotions and see some of the guys in the ring and just a lot of the things that go on. I kind of, you know, it's almost embarrassing to me because it's not the same sport that I grew up in and just the, and I'm not trying to knock not the guys because they're out there doing, you know, pretty much the same thing, what they grew up loving and, and, and they're living their dream. But it's it's a totally different ball game than when I broke in. A lot of the guys that are wrestling today, if they had to endure the things that I did coming up, they wouldn't be a wrestler. So it's just, it's just one of those things where I kind of chuckle to myself now and, uh, But to to be honest, uh, I I came in at the right time, and um, I was surrounded by the right people for sure because I would have never made it as far as I did without the guys in the locker room that came before me that taught me the right way to do things. Um, And they didn't sugarcoat it back then. Um, If you messed up, you were definitely told about it, and it wasn't going to happen again. Um, So just... It's a, it's a testament to the to the guys of my era, really. I mean, they they got me to where I eventually, you know, ended up in my career. Now, you also at one point were training professional wrestlers. What did you do differently, if anything, from what you had to go through when you trained? to what you were teaching your students? Um, basically, uh, I had a couple of prize students, um, but it's one of those things where I always tell the guys, you're not, I mean, you can practice until you're blue in the face, but you're not going to learn how to work until you're in front of people. So I would just tell them, you know, get as many, get on as many shows as you can, um, if you have to travel, definitely, you know, travel, it is a sacrifice. You've got you to gotta put in the time, not just in the ring, but on the road as well. And, uh, you know, even outside of the ring, just it's, it's a mental game. Um, as much as it is a physical game, you just have to, have to be on top of everything to, to get what you want out of it. Um, as, as far as, you know, mentally and physically and just uh, – you never learn how to work unless you're in front of people. That's where you learn how to, where you learn to be a professional wrestler. Um, I, can, I can show guys, you know, the basics, and uh, which is fine, and that's what I did. You know, I, I taught them how to, you know, protect themselves, how to protect their opponents, and uh, basically, getting yourself over is up to you. 
it's up to the individual. And uh, same with, you know, learning how to be a professional wrestler. That's what I say. You're not going to learn it anywhere else unless you're in the ring in front of a paying crowd. And that's the beauty of the sport. A lot of guys don't get that today. They just think uh, we can plan out, you know, 10 minutes in the back and, and go out there and do it. And they don't even think about the crowd. They don't even think about the, the fans that are, are paying their money to be entertained. Uh, you got to listen to them because they're going to tell you if you're doing something right, they're going to tell you if you're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Now, in your own career, you also had the chance to be valeted by, of course, the lovely Miss Liz for a long stretch in your career. I know that is correct. And, and by yeah. the way, she's driving right now on the interstate, so we get into an accident, and and I lose you. It's her fault. I'm gonna hope that that doesn't happen here. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen here as well, but. <laughs> That's something I don't really want to hear is the crash and the scream, so if we could avoid that. <laughs> now, having Miss Liz with you, I'm sure, made things a little bit easier for your relationship, being able to be on the road together and work together. What was it like having her for such a long stretch right in the heart of your career? Um. Uh, she came along at the right time as well, too. Um, she didn't have to go through all the growing pains as uh, I did coming up. Uh, when we got together, um, I was pretty much already a made guy in the business, so um, she got to come in at the right time in my career, and she did. She gave me that boost. Um, we both are on the same page as far as what's going on, and uh, in a match, she was, you know, right place, right time, and, you know, it's, you have somebody that's your best friend, um, and she's out there with me. Um, we just fed off each other, and you know, it just worked. It was something that, you know, it was magic, and proof was in the pudding. You also had a pretty fair number of tag team partners in your career. Uh, you did a lot of tags, especially early on in your career. Uh, you tagged with a lot of different people. Did you have a preference when it came to tags versus singles? Um, they both have a very special place in my heart. Um, of course, I'm always going to like to be a single wrestler first and foremost because I'm in control of what goes on in the ring, um, and I don't have to worry about three other guys. You know what I mean? Um, if, if things go, go poorly and it's just me and my opponent, um, I can pretty much do what I need to do to salvage things. If there's two other guys in the ring and I'm not in the ring, um, there's not a lot I can do to to help out the situation. So um, got to be very selective when you're when you have a partner, somebody you can count on, somebody you can trust. Um, and I've had several um, come to mind. Uh, Travis Southern is a guy that we had great success as a as a team. Every every place we went, we won gold together, and we just clicked. I mean. From the first time to the to our last match, it was just something that we had that uh, chemistry together, and we, you know, we just worked like a well-oiled machine, and 
Um, definitely a lot of fun times we, in, in, the, in the ring. We had a lot of good matches with a lot of great teams. And, um, like I said, we always clicked, and I didn't have to worry once, once I tagged in Travis. He was going to handle business, and it just worked. Now, one person I am sure you work with at some point in time, it would almost be impossible for it to not have happened, is TJ Camp, and he's doing his retirement tour, and everybody knows how I feel on the word retirement, but that's what he's <laughs> calling this. Can you right. tell us a little bit about anything you may have done with TJ as he's gearing up for the last match? Um, we never really worked a lot together. Um, I believe we've had a match or two, uh, between each other, but as far as, you know, I've never teamed with him or anything like that. Um, he primarily, primarily worked down south, um, and I never really worked down south a lot. I worked up north, uh, most of my career, so we never really crossed paths a ton. But I do believe we've, we've had a match together, and, um, he's always been a great guy every time I've been around him. Um, and, you know, it seems like he's going out on his terms. He's getting the matches in that he's, he's wanted to have with some people. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I haven't got to that point yet. I keep getting asked to be on shows. Um, it doesn't work with my, uh, schedule per se, but, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I haven't made it that far. I haven't even thought about it yet. So, <laughs> um, Troy has, or not Troy, but uh, TJ has a son, of course, that followed him into the business. And in your area in Indiana, we've seen a lot of second-generation guys. There's Bruiser Jr., Bobo Brazil Jr., Indiana Kid Junior, Indiana Kid Junior Junior, a lot of second and third generation people out there. What do you think it is about that region where there are so many families involved in the wrestling business compared to certain other areas? Well, that's just it. It is a whole family thing. When uh, when Dad happens to be in the business. Um, it is a it's a family thing. Uh, the, the kids come, the wife comes, um, the whole family's involved, and it's a you know a weekly or, or monthly ritual. And you know everybody gets in the car, they go watch dad wrestle. Um, the kid you know helps. Uh, he, he's backstage a lot of times with dad and um, hanging out in the locker room. They they grow up with it. That's all they know. And um, you know at that age you get bit by the bug and. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're just soaking everything in from, you know, you hear all the stories, um, you see all the guys getting ready and um, going over their matches and stuff like that, and you just get, you know, you're, you just get drawn into it. And uh, that's the only thing I think of. That's why, uh, you know, so many kids want to follow their, their father's footsteps into the business. You know, they just they just grew up in it. They, they've been around it, and, and they can't wait until it's their turn to get in the ring. Now, I believe we've hit the part of the show we call Word Association. You've done this before, all throughout the names of some people that you have likely come across in your career. And the first word or two that pops to mind to 
say that I know, is the I'm, answer. I'm terrible, at this, I'm terrible at this game because you, you, you say somebody's name and then I, I just can't leave it with one word. I have to go into a story about them. So I'll try to keep it brief today. Okay, well, we'll see what we get. All right. First one, Dylan Bostic. Great kid. Great kid. He had an incredible future, I thought, in this business, and uh, he still does. Um, only time will tell. I mean, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. He can do anything he puts his mind to. Congo Kong. Congo Kong, the OG. Um, love that dude. Got nothing but love for him. Uh, he's a great locker room leader, a uh, great professional wrestler, and I got mad respect. Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan? Um, the one-legged wonder, dude. I mean, he's just, you know, from where his career was to, to where it went and then how he's, you know, had that rebirth and resurgence. Uh, proud of him. Proud of calling a friend. Cameron Starr. Cameron Starr. She was definitely um, another OG. She's, you know, she is everything she says she is. She um, was one of the pioneers of women wrestlers in our state. and I mean, she did it all. Dan Garza. Dan Garza. He's another guy that, you know, helped break me into the business. And I've always liked Dan. He's always been a great guy. He's always treated me good. Even when he was stiff in the ring, it was all in fun. But, yeah, I've always liked Dan. i got a special place in my heart for him. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Same thing. i got a special place for Quicksilver in my heart. That guy, um, he's another guy I teamed with. We had a lot of success as a tag team, and he taught me so much uh, all the years working with him. So, yeah, mad respect to Quicksilver. Apollo Star. Apollo Star, that dude. Hi. <laughs> um, got a lot of lot of fond memories of Apollo. Darling Nikki. Well, I don't even. I know our paths have crossed, um, but I can't really. Not too much, I don't think. So really. Don't have any comments there. Karen Alexander. Karen Alexander, another guy that the sky was the limit for him. Um, he could have done anything he wanted to do in this business. Um, life took him in a different direction, so time will tell. Ox Baker Jr. Ox Baker Jr., uh, I mean... Another junior in the sport, um, he definitely carried the legacy the best that he could. Um, uh, he, he caused mayhem and havoc everywhere he went. The late Don Basher. Don Basher, another guy that was around for my early years. He gave me um, a lot of, uh, really, a lot of opportunity um, early on in my career and booked me on all of his shows and uh, put me over on a lot of his shows. And, you know, of course, when I wasn't doing the job for a kid, but uh, had a lot of success 
uh, wrestling for Don, and the guy was always always had me in stitches. So funny. JT Branham. JT Branham, that guy, you got to watch him if you're on the wrong side of him because he's a little sneaky, you know what I mean? He's one of them, one of them sneaky managers. He's, he's, he's just subtle about the things that he does, and uh, if you're on the wrong side, uh, you'll definitely pay the price. The last name, Shockwave the Robot. Shockwave the Robot. He's a great guy. Uh, the gimmick still it still gets over. Um, he he's great in the ring. Um, he just didn't have what it takes to get the job done on the franchise. That's true. That he Although he kisser. he did make a pass at Miss Liz. I know she said he was a bad kisser. So there we go. Well, right now, my co-host, the coach with the most, Coach Mike Jones, is standing by. I know Coach has questions for you as well, so I will pass things along to him for a bit. Good deal. Hey, hey, Troy, thanks for coming on. It's an honor and a privilege to have you. Appreciate it. Hey, my my pleasure. All right. Yeah, it's been an honor also to be on Heroes and Legends with you. And, uh... One of my first questions is, who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was sports, music, wrestling, or ordinary life, or all the above? Uh, It was always wrestling. It was nothing else. It's all I ever wanted to do. Um, Growing up, it was Hulk Hogan, you know, um, Ricky Dragon Steamboat, uh, Ric Flair, the Macho Man Randy Savage was definitely, you know, my all-time favorite. So guys like that. All right, and then did you play sports in high school or growing up? Um, I played a little bit of baseball. I ran some cross country, but nothing. I mean, when I was old enough to, to be around wrestling and get into wrestling, which was in high school, um, that's the only thing I could think of wanting to do. Uh, didn't care about nothing else, really, to be honest. Okay, and then what's your self-defense background? Um, Really? Don't have one other than uh, what I learned in the ring. Okay. And then who are some of your favorite people to work? I know you're not wrestling right. You're not wrestling right now, right? But no, that you've worked that you've worked. Oh man. I could talk hours for this. Um, One of the guys early on in my career that just was very instrumental and a lot of my success, and because um, uh, I was always, you know, the smallest guy, of course, in the room. Um, everybody was, of course, bigger than me, so it was kind of tough for me to have a competitive match with guys, um, especially a lot of the veterans. You know, they wouldn't sell for me or give me a lot of stuff. Um, it was just my heart that kept me going. Uh, then when I hooked up with the American Kickboxer, a guy that's my size, I mean, we tore down every – arena that we wrestled in and you know that spanned um the whole midwest you know we wrestled in all you know every surrounding state and all over this state and we just you know we burnt the scene down to the ground and we were booked everywhere and um he was definitely one of them guys that just helped push me to to limits i didn't even think were possible um another guy was of course um later on in my career 
uh, when I got the chance to wrestle just incredible, um, former ECW world champion. Um, it was just one of them things that was just magic in the ring. It clicked, and we had a pretty good feud. Um, I would say another guy was uh, Carlito. When I wrestled Carlito, it was just one of those things where it just clicked, and it was like one of the best matches I ever had. Um, just It's crazy. You know, these guys you, you see on TV all the time, you grow up watching a lot of them, and when you get the chance to get in the ring, and, and it, things just fall into place, and everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Um, it just makes you, I don't know, appreciate the fact that, you know, the training that you have and the places you came from and, and just being able to hang with, you know, guys that have done this on a global level. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of mind-blowing now when I just sit back and think about all the different opponents I've had over the years and just, you know, being able to go toe-to-toe with them, it's pretty cool awesome yeah what a blessing then where are some of your favorite pe- places that you worked mm, i don't really like you know i don't per se i was never a guy that traveled all over the place um i just stayed pretty local you know midwest um you know i've been to michigan illinois ohio and kentucky but outside of that i never really traveled that far so um just Anywhere around, pretty much, anytime I was in the ring, I felt like I was at home. So that was, that's my favorite place, you know. When I was in the ring, that was the only place I needed to be. It didn't matter where it was. Okay, and who were some of your, the toughest opponents you faced, of course, as a work? Uh, toughest opponents? I think the worst beating I ever took in the ring. Um, well, there was a couple times I uh, wrestled Ian Rotten uh, down in PWI one time and uh, the match, you can watch it today. It just, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, I just got destroyed, and it looked like I got destroyed. Um, then anytime you're in the ring with a guy like Congo Kong, um, everything he does looks so believable. It looks just like he's killing you. So definitely probably those two guys. And then what are some suggestions you have for people wanting to get into the business? Um, just take it serious. Treat it as a business, for one. Um, a lot of guys think it's playtime. Um, I was never one of those guys that, you know, when you're in the ring, when you get between the ropes, it's serious business. Um, and you treat it as such. You just don't come in and, and just goof off. And, um, cause if you're not careful, like, I mean, you can get seriously injured. You can get hurt if you're just goofing off. So, um, just take it serious, treat it as a business. Um, and just try to, I don't know. You try to do your best at it. Uh, that's one of the advices that I give. That you're not gonna just and basically going with a plan. Um, what do you want to get out of it, um, and try to just see that through. Okay, right on. And then I'm sure Sign Guy knows, but I don't. What is your favorite coffee to drink? My favorite coffee right now is a cold brew with uh, sweet cream. So that's my go-to right now. Okay. And do you have any schools you'd like to suggest for people? Schools, um, I would say, if you're serious about it, the best place right now to do is just go down to OVW, get a hold of Al Snow. And, I mean, 
he is legitimate. He's been there. He's done that. He's seen absolutely everything. And if you want to learn how to be a professional wrestler and you want to learn how to do it the right way, go down there and see him. Okay. And then what do you got coming up? I, I know that you're not wrestling, but you're doing DJing. What do you got coming up? Right. Dude, I'm booked all the time. It's insane. Um, every weekend, two or three weddings. Um, it's just a different form of entertainment. I've taken pretty much everything that I learned in the wrestling ring and just flipped it into being a DJ, really. Um, it's all about reading the crowd and just, you know, going from there and making sure the people, you just take them on a, on a ride, like in the ring, you, you take them on that magical roller coaster. This Now I just do it with music. So pretty much the same thing. You just, you know, you just figure out how to, how to manipulate the people and take them on that roller coaster. All right. And then what were the, some of the most memorable matches you've seen or been involved or both? Um, been involved with, um, I've got a few memorable matches. I did a steel cage match with, uh, my buddy, big daddy Dean. And, um, actually I proposed to my wife during that match. So, that was a pretty memorable moment. Um, I've definitely had some, you know, a match with Juventud Guerrera, a guy that was another groundbreaking guy that, you know, came up the same time I did. And, you know, that whole cruiserweight style and everything. Um, I had a match with him. It was pretty memorable. Um, uh, when I wrestled the boogeyman, that was another thing that was just, you know, he legit freaked me out. I got goosebumps when he came out of the, the curtain with the worms coming out of his mouth. So, um, and I would say another one, probably when I wrestled Abyss, um, that was pretty insane. Uh, we had a heck of a match. It stands up to today. So it's just stuff like that, man. You just, you can't forget. All right. Awesome. And then let me see what different characters have you worked? As far as myself? Rest- wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, put a mask on one time. I did a character called Hypnosis, and uh, it was kind of like a Rey Mysterio uh, ripoff. Um, when I did start, I was known as Top Rope Troy. So I, uh, you know, that's how I started. Then, uh, of course, when I beat Shane Douglas, and I, I took over the name of the franchise, so that was what I was rolling with, you know, here lately. So um, that was definitely, you know, anytime you get in the ring with a guy like Shane Douglas and then, you know, put him down for the one, two, three, it's pretty pretty special. Definitely. He's definitely one, one of the all-time best, uh, in my opinion, yes. And then how do people get a hold of you for, book, for bookings for uh, DJ or whatever? Uh, bookings for DJ, all that goes through DJ Sound Solutions. So you can go to go to the website djsoundsolution.com. dot com. Um, all bookings go through there, like I said. And then uh, as far as being a, a wrestler, dude, it's kind of kind of tough now. I'm not going to say I've wrestled my last match, but um, that's still up in the air. Okay, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. It's an honor and privilege to have you on. I wish you all the luck in the world, brother, and I'm sure Sign Guy's got some more. Okay, thanks, Coach. Good to talk to you. You're welcome.
Brother Sign? Sign guy. <laughs> Sometimes he's MIA, so I guess we have to keep going. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm there. I had a slight technical hiccup, but here I am. Okay, there you go. Okay. All right, well, thanks, Coach. Uh, Troy, you mentioned the steel cage match you had, but in our industry there are dozens upon dozens of types of matches outside of the standard pro wrestling match. Did you have a particular favorite be it something you actually participated in or something you just watched? A favorite kind of match. Uh, I, to, to be honest, um, a ladder match uh, was always something that when they became popular, I always seemed to get stuck in. And as much as I hated them, I always did well in them. And it was one of those love-hate things where I got to fall off this thing. I got to get hit with this thing. I really don't want to do it. Um, but then when you get in the ring and, and the match starts, the adrenaline takes over and you throw cautions out the window and you do the things that you didn't want to do. And uh, that's one thing that, yeah, I say a ladder match. Um, I have a love or hate relationship with them. But when I look back now and, and the moments that I got to create and was involved in, pretty special stuff. Now, we mentioned Diamond Dan and the old PWI promotion. For the fans listening that don't know, PWI was a promotion in Indianapolis that had local cable television, and they ran in a small venue that was sort of like a converted warehouse type of situation with bleachers brought into it. There were a lot of big name guys that passed through PWI, both that were big stars as far as regional stars go and some national names. You had guys like Tracy Smothers, Ian Rotten, Madman Pondo, Diceman Ronnie Vegas, Bobo Brazil Jr., a lot of really well-traveled guys that had exposure at the national level. How important do you think PWI was to the Indiana wrestling scene, not even at that time specifically, but as time went by, guys that were there were giving other people opportunities, training guys, and really building it. Where do you think we'd be if PWI had never been a promotion. Um, I think would have been in pretty pretty dire dire situations. Uh, that place was. I don't think we realized what it was until it was gone. Um, I look back on those days with absolute total fondness. Um, I mean, once once we'd go down there, we'd have you know we take at a time. Um, sometimes we'd have shows every two weeks, but it was usually once a month there towards the end. Uh, but man, we would go down there and just wrestle and we would wrestle everybody and everybody was there. Like I said, it was a who's who of who's going to be there this week. And it was just, you know, we had so much fun from just being there all day and just all the different characters that came in and out of that place. 
Um, it's definitely a place where I got put on the map. And, I, I mean, I cut my teeth before PWI, but just that's where I really honed my skill and, and really, you know, perfected my style of, of kind of, you know, how I wanted to present myself and what I wanted to do in this business. And Pro Wrestling International gave me that chance. They gave me that spotlight. And I can't thank Dan and um, Dallas James and the people that, you know, had a hand in that promotion that just kept it afloat and kept it going for as long as they did. It definitely holds a very special place in my heart, and it was just amazing to be a part of it. Now, especially early on, but even later in your career, you were on a lot of shows with the Dice Man Ronnie Vegas. Can you tell us approximately how many times in your life have you heard the song Don't Stop the Rock by Freestyle? <laughs> uh, I've probably heard that song, I don't know, 12,000 times. <laughs> uh, now, what was your record for Dice going all the way through the song on the way to the ring? Um, sometimes it would, you know, stop before he came through the curtain and they'd have to restart it. Um, then they'd have to restart it again before he got to the ring. So, yeah, usually two or three times. I want to say my record was four (laughs) one night. (sighs) Now, obviously, you worked with uh, Bobo Brazil Jr. as well and working with Dice. When guys like that used to chop you, what was going through your mind? Dude, it was crippling. (laughs) I mean... I'm not a big guy anyway, so their hands, uh, like Bo's hands, you know, his, when he, you know, it just, you know, his hand, if he just puts it on my chest, it covers, you know, most of my whole chest, especially, you know, back then when I was, you know, a youngster in my early 20s. Uh, he would just, you know, it, one you get, you get chopped one time from Bobo, you don't want to get chopped again. I mean, he put his hand through you, so... It definitely, it, if you were asleep, it definitely wake you up for sure. Batter and knock you out. Oh, man. It could go either way. I once saw Mike King, and his chest looked like hamburger meat. He told me oh. he'd been chopped by Bo. I asked if it had been that day or the day before. He said it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, like we said, when you started, you were using the moniker Top Rope Troy. You kind of altered the style over the years. But looking back on things, when you used to do a lot more of the aerial moves and things like that, do you think you appreciated how risky some of the moves were that you did, or did you look back and know you were safe doing them and appreciate having been well taught? Um, I think when I look back on that, 
um, I did what I had to do at the time to get myself over. Like I said, of course, being a smaller guy, um, I had to take them chances. I had to take them risks, and they paid off. Um, people say, well, would you do it again? I mean, I'm still, you know, I haven't wrestled, uh, you know, a, a heavy schedule in, you know, over five years. Um, it's been over three years since I've been in the ring. So um, my body still hurts every day. Um, but would I change it? I would not have changed it for a thing because it got me uh, noticed. It, it put my name on the map. And it's what I had to do at the time to get what I wanted out of the sport. So there's no way in the world I would change anything about how I got there. Now, looking at things down the road, if you have the match that ultimately will be the last match for whatever reason that would be, in your ideal scenario, who are you wrestling? See, I've been asked that. I, I've been asked to name my opponent because uh, ICW and Marion, of course, they want me to have my last match there. Um, and they do want me to name my opponent, and they will give it to me. So, I don't know. Libby says I, I, I'm holding out for Edge. So, um you know, when he, he, he retires from WWE and he starts taking independent bookings, um, maybe I will come out of retirement or whatever you call what I'm in right now and uh, see if I can wrestle Edge. But, I mean, you know, that's just, you know, that's just fanboy talking. Um, I have no idea. I haven't really, like I said, I haven't given it much thought. Um, I don't think that I have wrestled my last match, but I could very well have. Um Brody doesn't seem to think so. He wants dad in the ring more than anybody, I think, but I don't know. Hey, Dad, I want you to do an eight-man. Oh, he wants me to do an eight-man match. With who? There you go. Batista. Oh, he wants me to wrestle Batista. And who else? Triple H. Triple H. Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre. You want me to wrestle those guys? Yeah. Wow. And Shawn Michaels, so there we go. And Edge. Yeah, and Edge. Well, Shawn Michaels would definitely be a dream match, too. I would I would come back and wrestle Shawn Michaels in a heartbeat. I mean, they brought him back out after he swore he wouldn't be in it, so it's possible. Right? <laughs> I mean, it didn't go well, but they brought him back. He did. He did. Now, of course... In our industry, there are more than in-ring wrestlers that are necessary to make a show a success. You have ring announcers, referees, ring crew, managers. You work with a lot of people that hold those jobs that maybe don't get the true credit they deserve. Who are some of the non-in-ring competitors that you've worked with that you think really help make you what you are today? Um, early on in my career, for sure, there was a referee named Hobart Sutton, and he was around from the old days, and, uh, he was one of them guys that, you know, he'd been there for years, and I don't think people gave Hobart 
the credit that he deserved for sure. Um, uh, there's a there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people that are backstage, and I mean, I could I've come across so many people. You know, I mean, I, I forget names, of course, but from guys that set up the ring to make sure that you're safe um, in there, and from you know even the people that are selling the the hot dogs that you get paid with at the end of the night. <laughs> uh, it's just you know people like that. You just you know, you always treat everybody the same, and that's, you know, that's how I came into the business as well. Um, you treat the the guy, you know, selling popcorn the same as you do the guy in the main event. So there's just so many people that make a show go off and uh, make it happen that, you know, there's a lot of unsung heroes in, in and around the business. Absolutely. Now, one of the people you wrestled at least early on in your career. You may have had matches later too. Is someone the polar opposite of your style in wrestling, that being Madman Pondo? (laughs) I know people wouldn't necessarily think of Pondo outside of the ring if they judged him solely by how he wrestles. What did you think of Madman Pondo both in and out of the ring? Pondo in the ring is not the same Pondo out of the ring. Um, I've worked with Pondo many times. We've wrestled each other. Um, I've been around him a ton. The dude is just cool. He's a cool guy. Um, He's very down to earth. Uh, He's really smart about the business. A lot of people would never, you know, think that, just on the outside looking in. But he's very knowledgeable about – just wrestling as a whole. He grew up a fan, you know what I mean? He's definitely a traditionalist, and you would not think that at all. But And then in the ring, he just is a different person, you know what I mean? He, he turns on the crazy switch, and he's he's a, he's a madman. He's, he lives up to his name. Um, but I've always gotten along great with Pondo. He's another guy. If he likes you, he likes you. If he don't like you, he ain't got nothing to do with you. Um, and I was always always fortunate to be on his good side and just just you know clicked and always had a had a you know a good friendship with him in and you know in and outside of the ring. I once terrified him apparently because he jumped out of his seat and begged me not to do anything that would terrify him that night. I didn't. But coming from Pondo, <laughs> you wouldn't exactly expect that, would you? No. Now, someone else that you were on shows with that doesn't get the credit from the fans probably that they should that has been instrumental in a lot of people's careers far more than most people would ever imagine. Someone we lost a little over a year ago, Tracy Smothers, you had to have learned something anytime you were around Tracy Smothers. What are your memories of Tracy? Oh yeah, Tracy was always a good guy. I mean, he always he always was, you know, like I would say the class clown. Um he was always holding court in the locker room and uh he was just one of those guys that was always fun to be around. And like you said, you couldn't help but to just to pick up little things here and there, uh, just by being around the guy. 
he's another one of those guys that always, you know, he, he showed you how to treat people. Um, he, he treated everybody the same and was good to everybody that, uh, you know, he, he came in contact with. So nothing but fond memories about Tracy Smothers. Now, one of the things about when you came into the business, there were very, very few wrestling territories left, but the one that was still there was Memphis. They still ran a weekly schedule. I know Diamond Dan went down there a few times. Guys like TJ Powers and Dice Man Ronnie Vegas would go down there some. Tracy Smothers would pop in and out. Did you ever get the chance to go down to the actual Memphis territory to work? I never did. I know guys that definitely, you know, went down there. Um, they would take a trip and go down to Memphis and do the T V matches and stuff like that. But you know, that was a little bit before my time and um the guys that would do it, you know, after me like Flash Lanigan and, and stuff like that, you know, they were just I don't know, they Another thing, when I was in wrestling, uh, around that same time, I worked at a factory. Um, I didn't have the luxury just to take off all the time, and, you know, that was my bread and butter. That's where I made my money to buy all that nice gear that I had in the ring and stuff like that. So I didn't have the luxury just to to miss work all the time to chase my dreams. Um, Eventually, it came to a point where, you know, reality set in, having a family and, uh, you know, responsibilities. Uh, seemed like, you know, I would always do that while still trying to live my dream on the side. I think that's a lot of the reason why I never did get to that next level um, where, I mean, by all rights, everybody said I could have been um, if I had really tried and pushed for it. So um, it just never was in my in my in my cards, I guess. Now looking back. So far to this point, before the big eight-man match with Batista and Shawn Michaels, if you had a favorite physical ring where you wrestled, what ring was your all-time favorite? All-time favorite ring? Oh, man. There was a ring that we had that was just built by a local guy. And it was the best pumping ring I was ever in. Um, it had the spring in the middle, like the high spots ring and stuff like that. But it was handmade. It wasn't professionally done. It was just made in his backyard. And it was one of the best rings. You know, I don't know if it was just because it was one of the rings I started out in. But it was just one of the best bumping rings to be in. And I loved it. Uh, you mentioned all the gear that you had, you've had a lot of different gear throughout your career. What was your all-time favorite set of gear? Uh, I don't know. I had a lot of different outfits. I think the, the the last one I ended up with, my franchise logo and stuff like that, that was probably my favorite of all time. Did you have a lot of Congo pieces Kong. of juggernaut gear by what? I was yeah, Cyrus yeah. made. Yep, he was my he was my he was my main guy. So they're towards the end he he's making all my stuff. Mine as well. 
Well, we're down to the last few minutes today, and I don't want to keep you from your family on your rare day off all day long, even though I could talk to you for hours upon hours. So if there's anything you want to say to the listeners, floor is all yours. Plug and promote anything and everything you would want. Um. I just want to say to listeners out there, if you followed my career at all in any way, shape, or form, uh, if you grew up watching me in the ring, uh, I just want to say thank you guys because you guys made a boyhood dream come true. All I ever wanted to do is be a professional wrestler and entertain the people. Um, And, man, I got to do that. I got to do that on a a pretty good good level for, you know, just a, a local kid from Indiana. I got to wrestle a lot of guys that I grew up watching on TV and uh, share the locker room with most of them and just to, to be in a business that, you know, when, when you just think about, you know, the how crazy it is and just a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Everybody that watches wrestling wants to be a wrestler, I think, in some way, shape, or form. They, they, when they Especially as a kid, you grow up, that's, you want to be in the ring, you want to do that. And to be able to live out that dream that you had, it's just, it's pretty special. Like I said, a lot of people do not get to do that. So if you were out there, if you cheered me, if you booed me, if you loved me or hated me, um, just so you know, I did everything in that ring I did for you guys um, to find some kind of enjoyment, you know, to just, you know, unwind, blow off steam and and to be entertained. Um, you guys want to follow me, uh, you can follow me at Troy Miller DJ, pretty much any platform. Uh, I'm on the new B-Rail even, so if you, if you got that B-Rail account, follow me there. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, today, uh, I'm just, you know, pretty much a DJ. Like I said, I bring that same energy, that same enthusiasm that I brought inside the squared circle. I bring that to the turntables now and to a party near you. So I can be booked at djsoundsolutions.com for any and all events. Uh, we, you know, we are pretty uh, specialized in weddings and stuff like that. So, uh, but we do other things, you know, as far as birthday parties, corporate events, what have you. So, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, you know, where things are happening now. Like I said, I'm so busy. I mean, DJing really took off. I think I am probably more in demand as a DJ than I ever was as a wrestler, which is kind of crazy to say, uh, because I've only been DJing for, you know, I think seven years now, and I wrestled for over 25. Um, It's just something that clicked instantly, and I became a hit. Um, You know, I'm in demand. I'm booked all the way up until I've got bookings in 2024 even. So uh, you definitely don't want to sleep on me if you want me to be your DJ, so that's kind of where things are at now. Um, that's why I said if if I ever wrestle another match, it's got to, I mean, just, you know, weddings are usually on Saturdays, and that's when wrestling usually happens too. So if you can catch me on a Friday when I'm not booked or a Sunday afternoon and you have a show and you want the franchise to come in, we can do some negotiating and, and see what happens. So it's just, you know, how bad do you want me there? And we can make it happen. I think anybody running on a Sunday or a Friday would want to contact you, especially for that eight-man tag. That sounds great. <laughs> I didn't get it. I didn't. He just got who I wanted to. He wanted me to wrestle. Um, he didn't give me no 
no partners. It was just opponents. Um, I think he just wanted to see me get beat up. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, but I figure you're just going to draw straws you know, to see who's on whose side. Yeah, I don't know. It sounded like he wanted to see his dad catch an RKO or you know something like that. Get pedigreed. That's what it sounded <laughs> like to me. Maybe you know. To be fair, Eugene Dinsmore did all of those to me one time. <laughs> Well, Troy, we thank you so much for being here. We definitely appreciate it. We definitely appreciate you being in our Hall of Fame. We love you, and I will see you at some point pretty soon, hopefully. Well, hey, Sign Guy, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you keeping the keeping the name Troy Miller relevant out there. Um, that means a lot to me. Um, you know, just to had a career that I've had and. And to to be recognized for it by you is putting me in the Hall of Fame and just, you know, keeping me in people's minds, you know. Um, I just want to say thank you for that because it's been a long time since I've been in the ring. I don't think I'm relevant at all anymore. Uh, but you guys, you know, you keep my name out there and, and people can go back and, and listen to this. And, and, and even if they don't know who I am now, um, they can do some history, do some digging and, and find out some stuff that they may not know and, you know, it just keeps guys like me alive, and I really do appreciate that sign guy and uh, the Turnbuckle Turmoil podcast. Well, Thank like you. you know, you're always welcome here. All right, guys. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Coach, you got some more to plug, promote today as we wrap this up. Yeah, you can check me out at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most. Also, Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army or the NGW Green Room for hundreds of videos from wrestlers and celebrities all over the world. We even had Troy Miller in there from Heroes and Legends. That can be found on my Heroes and Legends album. And then also, you can... uh, Check out my podcast every Saturday at noon, Pacific. This next week, we rescheduled Lewis Rock for part two of his interview about his time with uh, Roddy Piper. And also, I wanted to give a shout-out to my number one sponsor, A-plus, Payless Handyman Services. They're uh, no job too big or small, 10% cheaper than any written estimate, and 15% for... Military and seniors, we thank you guys so much for your love and support and feedback, and we appreciate it. All right. Well, fans, we'll be back with you next week. Next Friday afternoon, we have Nick Hamrick and his manager, A. Dick Vickers, and we wrap up Hall of Fame month a week from today with Princess Victoria. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Get out there, support your local independence if you have some near you, and we will talk to you soon. That's right, everybody. You know who it is. Coach Mike Jones, I'm the coach with the most. Coming at you hard from coast to coast. I don't want to boast, but now I got to risk you in my social media posts. You double dose, and diagnose. You feeling tired, life expired, now you're a ghost. I'll be your host, so won't you raise a toast to the coach with the most, Coach Mike Jones.
Ich bin ein Ausländer, ich bin ein Schuldreiber.